This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria Tellez interviews Sarah Vallely, the author of Tame, Soothe, Dwell, The 55 Teachings of TSD Mindfulness. Sarah has been helping people reduce stress since 2001. She is the founder of TSDMind.org, TSD Mindfulness, a virtual meditation center. TSD Mindfulness offers training and certification programs to therapists and meditation teachers for stress reduction. Sarah Vallely has been facilitating meditation workshops to a global audience for 20 years, certifying therapists, teachers, and healthcare workers to teach meditation and mindfulness. Candidates learn assessment, analysis, psycho-spiritual education, and mindfulness protocols. She has written four books on the topic of meditation and anxiety. Sarah also founded Satya International, a certification program for people teaching meditation to children. She has closed Satya International to focus on her coaching and virtual meditation center. Sarah Vallely has been formally trained in therapeutic crisis intervention, CPI, Vipassana Buddhist practice, Hawaiian Huna practice, hypnotherapy, guided imagery, and past life regression. She has taught in the public school system as well as worked in psychiatric treatment. Meet Sarah at tsdmind.org. Here is the interview with Sarah Vallely. In your own words, who is Sarah Vallely? Uh, I'm a meditation teacher. I've been teaching meditation for 20 years. Uh, I started my career teaching therapists, teachers, and parents how to teach meditation to children. Uh, and I started that before that was popular. Um, I, in fact, one of my first students flew in for my course and was stopped at customs because uh, they she had a problem in customs because they couldn't believe she was coming to the U.S. to learn how to teach meditation to children. So that was back a long time ago uh, when that was just not a thing. Um, but uh, I, I'm very dedicated to my work. I, I meditate a lot, and uh, I've just come to understand some points about um, how the system within us works um, and how that determines our behaviors and our emotional responses. And um, so I do a lot of work around that, teaching, uh, teaching counselors, teaching meditation teachers, um, teaching healers. 
you wrote a book titled Tame, Soothe, Dwell, the 55 Teachings of TSD Mindfulness. So before I ask you some specific questions related to your work, your book, the first question that comes to mind is about the mind. And because your work has to do with meditation and mindfulness, I would like to explore the idea of what the mind is and what thoughts are. So what is the mind and what are thoughts to you? Okay. Well, they're different. Uh, the mind for um, TSD mindfulness, the way you would look at that, is it's our um, consciousness, specifically our attention. So what we are paying attention to, um, so that means the mind can move. Uh, so our mind is not always or does not have to always be in our headspace, but because of our culture, yeah. um, we usually have our mind in our headspace. So it can really get, um, you know, become one and the same as our thoughts, but our mind can move and our mind, our point of consciousness and attention can move down to the heart, for example, and we can perceive more from the heart. Um, and thoughts, um, as far as TSD mindfulness, um, we call that logic. It's our logic and, um, our logic is all, it's personal. Um, everybody has their own personal logic, just as everyone has their own personal DNA, just as everyone has their own personal um, look um, and voice and, and, and that. Yeah. So the mind, it's not localized. It's not a domain of the brain. You're saying that's basically everywhere in the body. Right. And that's one of the um, the major goals, if you will, of TSD mindfulness is being able to move the mind down into the heart and perceive from the heart because it's, it's uh, think of it as a lens. Um, what we see from the heart is looking through a different lens than if we're uh, perceiving from what we traditionally call the mind, which is our thoughts. Mm -hmm. Sometimes myself and a lot of people I speak too, they talk about the heart in connection to the soul, to what we call the spirit, the source, divine energy. Do you connect the heart to these other concepts and ideas? Yes. Yeah, so the way it works with TSD mindfulness is we tame the mind, uh, which is a, a very a Buddhist concept, um, taming the mind, and then we are soothing the gut. And the reason that we're taming the mind and soothing the gut is because what's going on in our mind, our, our, and I'm saying mind because that's what, what a lot of people right. think of, but in TSD mindfulness, we actually call it the mental field because we have a distinction between the mind and the mental field. But in the mental field, uh, we, we tame that and we tame uh, and we soothe what's going on in the gut because those thoughts and those um, instinctual reactions that are what's going on in our gut actually distract us from what's going on in the heart. What's going on in the heart is really subtle. And so it's really easy for us to get distracted from, um, from that subtlety. And it's not our fault. It's not our fault that we're distracted. It's, we don't have attention challenges or difficulties or, um, a, a disorder. It's because it's how we were evolved to be. We were evolved to use our thoughts and to use our instinctual responses to survive for protection. Uh, and so that's, it, that's just the, the why that we're so paying attention to those things. But what we need to do for this mindfulness practice is to actually move our, consciousness into our heart. And when we do that, then we can go into 
what TST mindfulness calls the step of integration, where we're actually integration integrating with spirit. So the idea is you, it's it's more difficult to meld with spirit if we are distracted by our thoughts and we are distracted by our instinctual um, uh, responses that are going on in our gut. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience? Mm, wow. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think that that's been revealed to me yet. And, I, and I'll tell you another uh, point about TSC mindfulness that's really important. And this actually um, goes along with your prior question about um, integrating the spirit. And that is knowing. Knowing is something that we need to let go of. Um, knowing part of the practice of TSD mindfulness, when we get into the heart and to actually really be into the heart um, and, and move our consciousness there is to let go of all knowing anything, any, whether it's knowing if you and your partner are going to make it in their relationship, knowing if your kids are going to be all right, knowing if your house is going to stay clean, knowing if your job is secure. Um, it's part of the practice that we actually do it in a very explicit way. And I teach it in an explicit way of letting go of that knowing. And that's part of the surrender. Um, when we are moving into the heart and we surrender and we just realize, you know what? I don't know anything. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know who I am. I don't know. Um, I don't know. And that process actually is exactly what connects us to spirit as far as TSD mindfulness practice. It's very powerful. And just by listening to it, it already sort of uh, brings this message to the body of relaxation, of peace. That's interesting, just by listening to it. I will insist a little bit more about that question. What do you think the human experience is all about? If you were to imagine or say anything, give any answer to that question, what would that be? It would be surrender. So yeah, it, it's, it's that we're here to, to surrender, uh, surrender to to this force. Uh, I call it God, um, but um, however you your spirituality defines this source is to surrender to it and to and and, and, and this is the, the amazing thing about it. I um, I have a name um, for it. I call it uncertain paradox. And it's this uncertain paradox is that uh, we have to get to this complete place of not knowing to actually know. And uh, so that's our purpose, I would say, um, it's, as far as I can tell. <laughs> um, and and, and yeah. to, to yeah. just and the reason that it's this this paradox is because I believe in what I've been shown is that it's this very um, these opposites, uh, um, this contradictory that actually snaps us out of our intellect. And so, we will see a lot of those in spiritual practice, these, this, um, these opposites that end up being the truth that we need to not know to end up knowing, things like that. A question that comes to mind is this, once we are there, if we get there, the knowing space, would that be able to be understood by the intellect or translated somehow, that knowledge? That's an excellent question. Uh, it's definitely felt. Uh, it's something you definitely feel. It's something definitely you perceive. You can perceive it. Um, the intellect 
becomes a little bit irrelevant at that point. Um, there's no like need for intellect, but I will tell you something I've personally experienced a variety of times, and that is that the experience heals the intellect. So I feel like that's the real relationship between this this um, this space that we're talking about. This this, this such a spiritual high place is that when we get there, um, our logic, uh, as far as TSC mindfulness is concerned, that faulty logic starts to heal and starts to um, rearrange itself so it becomes more correct. And so basically, the relationship that I see between this place of um, unknowing and, and and of knowing um, is that it heals your your own logic and it takes that faulty logic and corrects it and so then you are more aligned with um, with this this high spiritual place when you say faulty logic what do you mean by that exactly so those are our thought cycles that are incorrect uh, they are they don't serve us they um, can be stumbling blocks to us getting to, um, you know, this place of joy, uh, because that's that's part of um, the goal of TSC mindfulness is getting to this place of of joy. So um, the the logic is kind of think of it as just this programming. You know, think of a computer system, and we're we're actually program being programmed uh, throughout our lives, and and we can unprogram ourselves too. Speaking of them, my uh, meditation, mindfulness, some people confuse them. They think they are the same. And I think at some point I thought that there was one thing, meditation, mindfulness, they were the same. What is the difference between meditation and mindfulness? Mm, yeah, excellent question. I'm so glad you asked that. Uh, and that's one of the first things I like to talk about when I teach. So meditation is a... A practice in which we are usually sitting down, or maybe we're walking, but we're it's um, your posture, um, where your body position is in is important. Uh, and when you're in meditation, you're not necessarily practicing mindfulness. You might be practicing a different type of meditation. You might be practicing Zen. You might be practicing guided imagery. You might be practicing um, some yoga type uh, meditation. Uh, mindfulness is something that we can practice when we are in meditation, when we are in that pose um, or we're in that walking meditation, we can practice mindfulness. And, and mindfulness is described as, uh, defined as paying attention to your physical world, whether that's sounds in your environment, whether that's um, feelings in your body, physical sensations in your body, or if your eyes are open, actually gazing at something. And mindfulness can also be practiced when you're not in a meditative position. It can be practiced when you're washing your dishes. It can be practiced when you are uh, sitting on your couch, just noticing uh, the elements of your home. Uh, so that's the difference between the two. Another question I have is about the origins of meditation. A lot of times people choose not to meditate because they don't want to engage in any spiritual beliefs or uh, traditional religious ideas. So talk to me about meditation apart from religious beliefs. Yeah, meditation can be religious, uh, but meditation can be 
not religious in the sense that we aren't, we don't need to be praying um, to a God, if that's what, how you define religion. I guess it really depends on how you define religion. But I think that what, what mainstream idea here is that, and the reason that we can teach mindfulness in schools and we can actually talk about mindfulness in a corporate setting, the reason that we can do that is because it's a practice, especially uh, Vipassana, insight meditation, is a practice that is focused on technique. So it's very focused on how you're doing it, um, what are you doing with your attention, uh, and things like that. It's not focused on um, what happens after you die. <laughs> what um, what are the rituals that that we uh, do when um, when we get married? Uh, what uh, who is God? Things like that. So that's why we're able to practice it in um, more mainstream settings. And do you see a difference between spirituality and religion, Sarah? I know that people do, uh, definitely. Uh, I think that people who like to make that distinction might like it because they're not comfortable with religion. So they like to uh, be more spiritual because they feel that that has more openness to it and religion is more structured. Uh, I, I don't have issue with either one. Uh, I'm, I have a lot of uh, fond, beautiful feelings for religion, uh, but also religion has been, you know, hurtful too. Um, so it's, yeah. What do you think is the world's greatest need at this time? And do you have a vision for a new reality? Mm. Oh, great question. So this is what TST mindfulness teaches. And it, it teaches that the mind desires change. And it teaches that our gut desires preservation. All right, and I'll go into what the heart is. But for now, let's just talk about the, the mind or the mental field, which is more specific for TST mindfulness. Um, this mind, this mental field is desiring change and our gut is desiring preservation. So we are in this kind of, in a way, in this constant conflict of half of us wanting things to change and having, uh, half of us wanting everything to just stay exactly the way it is. And that's one of the wonderful uh, uh, benefits of practicing TSC mindfulness is because you start to become super aware of that and you'll become aware of the part of yourself that says, you know what, all the stuff that's going on right now in 2020, I, I, I want this to change. And then you become aware of all these things like, you know, all this, um, you know, this is all the things that I'm holding on to that I don't want to change. I want this all to stay preserved uh, and I don't want all this change. So we become aware of how our fields, fields the mental field and the gut field are responding to the environmental, uh, uh, what's going on in our in our world with, with the pandemic and, and all these changes. And the, the heart, what the heart desires is it just desires attention. That's all the heart desires. And so if we can just get into the seesaw, right? We're on the seesaw of I want change. I want everything to stay the same. I want change. You're going back and forth. If we can just calm that seesaw and in the middle of that seesaw is the heart and the heart uh, just wants your attention. It just wants you to take a moment, sit and be still 
and just just notice what is there, what's there, and and what's there is is trauma and joy. And you cannot close the door to trauma and open the door to joy because it's the same door. And so what we do is we open that door. And yeah, we're, we're going to see some trauma. We're also going to see some joy. And that there's such a fine line there. If you think about the our physical reactions to something painful and our physical reactions to something joyous, we we cry. Both of these we cry. We, we shriek and we collapse. Our physical reaction to both of these is so similar. And it actually the practice is about getting to this place and just loving that it's real and just being there and noticing this is what's real this is what's real all this stuff in the mental field and, and how we want everything to change and all this stuff in our gut field about how we want everything to just stay the same that's not so real what's real is just what is in our hearts and so that's um that's what we where we can go in all of this um, intensity right now. And, and I know that's a really long answer to the question, but if you want, I can also go into a little bit about your second part. <sighs> so this, this is part of what's happening is what I've been shown is that we, this relationship between our mental field, our gut field and our heart field, uh, that these three fields are in relationship with one another. And it's just hard to say and it's hard to hear, but there's actually an abusive cycle um, that's happening within all of us. And what I envision is that whether it's TSC mindfulness or it's some other practice, is that we are able to become still and aware enough where our mental field, our gut field, and our heart field aren't triggering each other, um, and where they're just still. So that's why it's important to tame the mind, soothe the gut, and dwell in the heart. So we're in this still place where this abusive cycle uh, it it kind of slows down and and hopefully goes away. And then what will happen is, in our outer world, these cycles are going to go away. Also, so the reason we have these abusive cycles in our outer surrounding is a reflection of what's going on within all of us. Speaking of these, the abuse cycle, as you call it, how does it work exactly? Can you explore that a bit more so we have an understanding of what that is? Yeah, it's pretty abstract. So let me give a more concrete explanation and example. So. An example would be so typical, such a typical example is we have a, uh, a trauma that's experienced in the heart um, and it comes up in the heart and we might experience that physically as a heart feeling tight, um, feeling a little, the most physical pain in the heart. And then we experience that um, through the mental field as a thought about, well, emotions probably would be first and foremost, is an emotion of um, great, great sadness, for example. And so what happens is, and this is how we're evolved to be, so it's, it's not, it's no one's fault, it's not a, a judgment, it's just, just how we're evolved to be that we, we will eventually um, overcome. But 
How we were evolved to be is the mental field will react and the mental field will react out of protection because the mental field wants the heart to be um, protected and not feel pain. And so the mental field will come up with a logic. It will um, have a thought that will actually suppress that pain. For example, if we're sad that we are, um, we uh, had something go on with an old friend that we have falling out and um, it, it, we don't talk anymore, then the mental field will quickly come up with something like, uh, um, well, that person was no good in your life anyway. They were toxic, da 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 And so what will happen is that that pain that came up in the heart will actually, it will shrink. And then when we become very mindful, we can actually observe this whole process happen. And, and that's, uh, that's the same as two people in a relationship and one person coming up with this, this pain and then the other person squashing them down and saying, you know, it's not all right to feel that pain. And this is why. And, and so that's an example of, of, um, how we can do this within ourselves. It's called a distorted emotion. We actually distort the emotion. And it doesn't just happen with um, something negative, a pain. It, it happens with joy. So then we have a, a joy, just like a full-fledged, authentic joy emotion come up in our heart. And the mental field, again, is afraid and uh, in afraid that eventually that joy will end in pain. And so we'll, out of protection, we'll come up with a logic that, you know what, that joy might not last forever. So let's, let's kind of tone that down. And so then the joy is, is squashed. And uh, so this is a very typical example of this. Um, I, I, I just, abusive is such a harsh, you know, it's such a big word, but it's just, I think that really can relate to every, everyone. And, um, and so that's a typical example of that happening within us. And so that's why we need to practice mindfulness to become aware of, of this cycle. And, and, and that's the thing, mindfulness, just the fact of being mindful of the cycle, a lot of times uh, will just really break the cycle. What is freedom to you, Sarah? Freedom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, see, this is not a popular answer, but I will <laughs> give it anyway because this is this is what's been revealed to me. But yeah. uh, that it's it's another one of those uncertain paradoxes is that uh, sometimes we need to really let go of this idea of freedom, um, let go of this idea of uh, of um, having anything we want um, and to really surrender to get to that true freedom. So that true freedom to me is being able to experience the authenticity of our own joy and the authenticity of our own pain and allowing that to, to be there and allowing ourselves to surrender enough to integrate with, with spirit. And, uh, but I guess the reason I'm hesitant is because when you get there, um, it, it's not really like up to you. <laughs> I, I mean, that's, that's my experience. It's just not like, Oh, I get to do whatever I want. It's, it's not, you're just part of this big, like goo of everything. And you're just kind of along for the ride. <laughs> 
What a revelation for all of us searching <laughs> for freedom, <laughs> secrets of freedom, right? What a wonderful answer too. So my other question is about love. What is love to you? What is your understanding of what love is? Love, uh, yeah, the, love from the heart is, uh, it's genuine, it's, it's real, it's, uh, it's acceptance, it's, uh, it's not, it's unconditional, it's, it's not with um, a string of, of things attached to it, um, it's, it's spontaneous, um, you know, a, a, a love, a, a real feeling of love um, can happen anytime, anywhere, even with a stranger. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's also a relationship and, you know, going through the ups and downs and um, trust, a lot of trust. So how did you become a writer? I. Uh, I'll first say my mom is a published writer, so I've okay. been around the whole writing <laughs> idea for a long time. But uh, when I was about 26, maybe, and I was living in Los Angeles, and I was starting out to be a spiritual teacher, I was at a party, and I met a woman who, uh, she might have been kind of like a life coach. I don't think that's what she called herself back then. But it was kind of that kind of thing. And and she told me, she said, you need to write a book. You know, if you're going to go and do this and teach people how to meditate and all that kind of thing, you need to write a book. And because if you write a book, then that means you're an expert. <laughs> so, so I said, okay. And I think I started like that week and I started writing my first book. I've written four books. Uh, I, I started writing my first book and my first book was a manual, um, for, uh, for my course and teaching adults how to teach meditation to children. Um, but then I just kept doing, I kept writing and I, uh, I wrote a memoir and I've just finished this book on TSD mindfulness. And I actually, um, also spent several years as a technology writer. And the only reason I bring that up in the spiritual conversation is because I'm very, um, very left brain brained. And I talk a lot about systems. You know, I wrote about, uh, I wrote about drones and, and uh, lots of other type of sensor systems. And so I, I like to write about the systems, the spiritual systems. And, um, that's, that's, brings me great joy. Talk to me a bit more about your TSD mindfulness certification program. You have been talking about the uh, what can we learn, but more specifically, what are the, um, I think you call teaching objectives and what student uh, mindfulness practices, what they can learn. I know you break down into three sections or four sections really. Taming the mind, soothing the gut, dwelling in the heart, and then integration. I absolutely love that you have the integration part because now it becomes something that we can finally put everything together and not keep going with the practices and the cycles to no end. Yeah, talk to me about the teaching objectives. Yes. So I train 
counselors, and I have a certification program for counselors um, to become mindfulness counselors. And so that means that they use these mindfulness protocols to address um, certain stress types uh, in their practice. And I can go into that in a little bit more in a moment. Uh, and I also train meditation teachers on um, how to teach mindfulness in a setting, a, a meditation class setting. And I work with healers also uh, to that's um, to actually be a significant uh, support in the healing aspect. And also, um, I have a mindfulness ministry uh, program also. So uh, some of the way that I work out all of these teachings and with the students that I work with is I talk about resilience. And um, resilience is what allows us to um, be all these things that we want to be, right? To be peaceful and to be whole and and to be resilient. And though I have three areas of resilience that I teach about, and one is having resilience in um, comfort with what is, just total comfort with, with what is, what is with right now. Um, another area of um, resilience is um, comfort with uh, comfort with, uh, with change, being okay with without whatever the change is going to be. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so when we, the students learn how to help guide other people to figure out which areas of resilience are stronger and weaker, and then they can use the protocols that will uh, strengthen that type of resilience. And that's why the practice is so effective is because you're using the, you're matching the correct mindfulness protocol with the um, certain stress type. And uh, one way to explain this is those of you out there that are listening that practice mindfulness, you might have noticed that a lot of times when you practice mindfulness, it's, it helps, you know, you're stressed, you practice mindfulness and it helps. But you may have noticed that there's sometimes when you practice mindfulness where you're still stressed even after your mindfulness practice. And the answer to that is through the teachings of TSC mindfulness is that if we have a stress that if our stress originates in our mental field, it's because of our um, faulty logic, it's because of our thought cycles, and we use traditional mindfulness practice, yes, we will reduce that stress because what we do is we actually slow down and uh, kind of um, disengage from those thought cycles. But if our stress is from our gut, for example, which is more concerned with um, you know, change and what's going to change and status quo, then that traditional mindfulness practice isn't going to address that particular stress. Instead, an alternate mindfulness practice that has to do with soothing and uh, reassuring the gut um, and things like that will help that. And I'll tell you a physical difference. When we are calm in the mind, we feel 
our mind, we feel our thoughts are still. We feel clear. We feel our thoughts are clear. When we are soothed in our gut, it's a different feeling. It's actually a complete feeling of uh, peace in our body. It's very physical. We mm-hmm. physically feel calm. And so you might remember some of these times when you're like, my mind feels clear. I feel calm, but my right. body is still kind of tense. That's yeah. because we haven't soothed the gut. Mm-hmm. There's something that caught my attention when you talk about decision-making. I think it was the, uh, the teaching 12. You speak of the process of decision-making. Exactly. And then you say, well, I'm paraphrasing you. If we don't feel like we are making many decisions, there are a few things happening. And then you mentioned three things that could be happening. One is we are relying on divine flow to guide us. Then our mental gut and heart fields are in conflict. And then you also talk about uh, being unconscious to our own decision process. So talk to me a bit about decision making and how do we finally know that we are not making them, that we are just uh, flowing with life itself. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, right? That's what we did. Right. That's what we did. Yeah. I I mean... (laughs) Right. Yeah. If we're making decisions using a pros and cons list, uh, we are making a decision with our logic. And if you've got um, some pretty good logic, then that's that's an all right way to go. Uh, But um, if we've had a lot of trauma and our logic can be a little faulty, then that. um, uh, But, you know, sometimes sometimes it's it's good. Uh, uh, So if we are weighing pros and cons, if we are thinking about past events to try to make decisions. If we are simulating scenarios to make decisions, we're using our mental um, field uh, of of that sort, um, making judgments, running numbers, things like that. Then then we're using our mental field to make a decision. Uh, If we are just like Bam, you know what? I'm not going to do this because it just doesn't feel right. I, um, I, I, I think this is going to be too disruptive to my life, for example, to make this move, to relocate to this other town. Uh, then we are making decisions um, based on what's going on in our gut. Uh, but if we do move into our heart and we can perceive more from our heart and we're moving our consciousness into our heart, then what starts to happen is we, it's not a decision process. There's no process really that we're going through. We're not basing it on uh, um, hundreds of years of evolution, things like that. Um, It's just laid out for us. We just see, we just see it. Um, It's just very clear. And it can be uh, tricky to get there. I think, you know, all of us struggle with that to some degree. And so this is, uh, this is what I suggest. Um, I suggest trusting and waiting and concentrating. So if we can stay in concentration in our meditation and if we can uh, wait, we can just not rush ourselves not get up from our meditation cushion, not feel like I have a million things to do. I, I don't have time to do this. If we can wait and if we can trust that divinity is 
around us and within us in that we are connected to divinity. If we can um, concentrate, wait, and trust, then we will get there. And that's those are the steps that I take. I know I'm very left brain and very systems, but that's the system and it works. Uh, and, um, and then we can get to this place where it's just like, oh, now I get it. This is, this is my path. I have actually lots of things that I wrote here, but I won't be able to go through everything. So, but I do have some final questions for you. Before that, Sarah, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? I would like to add that I know I talked a lot about my certification programs yeah. for counselors and teachers and healers and ministers, but I do teach individuals, uh, anyone who wants to come and participate in the program. It's 20 classes. It takes about 11 months to go through the program. We meet twice a month over uh, Google Meet, and uh, it's a wonderful, a wonderful program. So I invite you to check it out. And it's not a thing where you have to like pay all this money ahead of time. Uh, you just pay for each class as you go. And if it, you don't resonate with it and you want to do something else, that's fine. But um, you might be interested in checking it out. Success. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? Yeah, oh, excellent question. So success is usually something that our logic determines for us. Our logic says that this, if we do this, if we accomplish this, then we are successful. Uh, but what TSD mindfulness teaches us is that success uh, is actually, and, and we use the word perfect, perfection, uh, that perfection is actually defined by the divine. So we don't really know what it is uh, until it's revealed to us. Uh, we just, um, we, we let divine let us know what success um, is for us personally. And I have a great little story that I'll tell real quick uh, that illustrates that. I was at a friend's house and I meditate with my eyes open, looking at something natural, usually stones, and I didn't have that. And so I grabbed some wood chips from their, uh, their rodent cage, or they were, they were before they were in the cage. And I, I just set the wood chips there because I always like to look at something natural, something from nature. And it just looked like a pile of chips. And after about 20 minutes into my meditation, I looked at it and I couldn't believe that each wood chip was set in the exact place that it was. It was just so unbelievably amazing, the perfection of where each of those chips were. It was like God had come in and perfectly put each one where it was. And so that's a great example of this mess that we might see in our life. If we really look at it from this divine place, it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life as of today? Mm. <laughs> well, if you read, read my memoir, and I don't even share it all in my memoir, but I, I have been through some extreme trauma. Uh, I, uh, as a child, uh, a pretty dramatic childhood. Um, and so I think that relationship between two human beings has been the biggest lesson for me, uh, I'm still learning it. I'm still trusting to, to get there, uh, to, to know how to, uh, to feel love and, and know what's safe and what's not safe. And, um, 
it's uh, it's a lesson I'm I'm still learning, and, and it's a lesson in healing. So I think healing. I think the, the biggest lesson for me is, is is healing, and I've gone through an extreme amount of healing that I'm really grateful for, and, and so I'm I'm learning. Yeah. So we all. <laughs> that's a message for all of us, especially in relationships. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? Mm. Oh, I love these questions. Yeah, uh, I, I love my children so much. I have a daughter who's a senior in high school and a son who's an eighth grader. And I, if I were in that situation and, and I do already spend a lot of time with them, so that's good. Um, but I would just want to spend every moment with them. Um, I, that's the, that's the main thing that comes to mind. I, I know that when I met, when I die, I want to be meditating because I almost died. I felt like once and I, um, got had anaphylactic shock and I couldn't breathe and everyone thought I was choking and they were doing the Heimlich maneuver, but I realized that wasn't it. I was, I, my throat actually closed up. And so I pushed everyone away. We were at the table eating and I went into the living room and I just sat and started meditating. And, uh, as I thought that was it, I was going to die. No one died meditating. Uh, but my, I meditated and my throat opened up. So <laughs> what are three things about life, you know, for sure as of now, Hmm. I know that I need to work on letting go of knowing because <laughs> I know that the more I let go of it, the more in line with divine I feel like my life is. Uh, so that surrender and that letting go is really important. Uh, I know that, uh, I mean, it's hard to, to answer that since I'm so trying to let go of knowing, but yeah. um <laughs> I know that uh, when I get to the place of oneness, which uh, I've been there a few times, and I, I know that we're we're all it's there's no separation really. I mean, we're all um, I'm the table, the table's me. It's the the fan is is not blowing ten feet away from me. It's actually blowing inside me. You know that kind of stuff. Yeah, I love your message. I love your wisdom. Um, I love how authentic you are. Thank you so much, Sarah, for your work. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. My last question is, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Yes. So my website is T as in tame, S as in soothe, D as in dwell, mind short for mindfulness. So it's tsdmind.org. And on there, you will you can go to the products page where you'll find my book, Tame, Soothe, Dwell, The 55 Teachings of TSD Mindfulness. And you will also find information there for uh, taking my course as an individual, and then also my certification programs for counselors, teachers, and healers and ministers. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Valeria. Bye for now, Sarah. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Sarah Vallely and her work, please visit tsdmind.org. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.